1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Well met, fellow adventurers. Back to the Proving Grounds. Number six. The next part one setting out. The Sun Howl, which is the boat we're getting on. Oh, with a few of you seated above the small aboard the small wooden boat, the vessel seems unexceptionally unseaworthy, though you take comfort in the fact that Galivar doesn't seem the be- least bit concerned. At last, with both of his thick fingered hands gripping the oars, the first mate takes a tiny craft mate takes the tiny craft out of the cove through the inlet. And into the churning waters of the open ocean. Keep your eyes focused eastward as this squeaking boat lurches out into this perilous tide. You desperately seek any sign of the vessel known as the San How through the rolling wall of fog. And now, the small boat that bears you, Owl and Gavlar, is tossed aside unmercilessly it slips into the churning tide just outside the sheltered cove. Gavilar shows no outward signs of worry, however, and seems quite adept at manoeuvring the craft through the treacherous and foggy wave of mazes. After several long minutes on the water, you're both drenched and chilled to the bone, you're beginning to think perhaps finding the ship, the mist of the fog won't prove to be such a simple task when out when suddenly our sharp voice wings out above the whine of the wind. There she is! he cries, stabbing his finger eastward. You and Galvalar turn your eyes in that, in that direction and behold the dark, towering silhouette of a twin masted galleon emerging from the fog. Suddenly, without warning, a large swell lifts up the small craft with which the three of you are seated. And hurls, and hurls the boat broadside. Towards the Sarn hull, As Gavilar desperately struggles. To regain control of the old vessel. Realising that smashing into the hull. Of the massive ship. Could prove deadly. So I've got a few options now. I could just leap out of the boat. Before it strikes the san If I had telekinesis at 80. I could use that. But. Not very many people even get it that high. You also use all, for- oh, but I can use fortification, seamanship, or elementalism. I'll use um, elementalism. Succeeded. You close your eyes and summon the power of elementalism. In answer to your summons, the wave dropping your small craft immediately sinks into the sea, dropping the boat black. Back to the churning surface with a loud clap. Galavar, his eyes wide with disbelief, quickly regained control of the vessel. As the small claft winds up against the base of the Sanhau, you look up and spot several figures leaning over the ship's whales. Several lengths of heavy rope are tossed over the side, each landing within arm's reach of the buffeting boat. A matter of moments the three of you have taken hold of the ropes and fast, fastened them to your vessel. With violent lurch the three of you, still seated in the battered craft, are hoisted out of the waging sea onto the deck of the sturdy galleon. The small craft lands heavily on the deck of the sheep, jarring you and causing you causing you to struggle to regain your balance. It takes only a moment, however, for the three of you to recover climb out of the boat, thankful to be standing standing on the damp, creaking timbers of the galleon's main deck. Several of the ship's crewmen move over and begin tending to the small boat, while commending the three of you of having made it aboard. The sand's no place for a swim, he says, through clattering teeth. You couldn't hope to last very long out there today. Al is about to speak, but suddenly steps back and stands still white as a wot armed lamp-bearing figure pushes his way through the line of men standing standing across the deck. The large, domineering, grey-bearded man steps forward and smiles upon catching sight of Al. What a sorry lot this is, he roars, immediately bursting into an obnoxious fit of laughter. A rough day for a spot of boasting, to be sure. And a thought folks with your reputations might have a better sense than any of that. Woken aboard the San Hal, Captain Teldorn, with his sizeable white hands outstretched to meet Alan and shoulder cross, suddenly turns and curses at several of his crew who are loitering on the deck to his left. The startled men immediately spring to action and move off to attend to matters elsewhere. Gotta keep that lot busy, he grumbles, turning an initiation shoulder cross with Al. Appears to be something of an old friend. They'll work their hands to the bone if put to it. And I'm just the lad to put them to it. Ah, so, I see if the three of you made it back from that cursed work. No doubt about Galifar, of course. He's the finest first-rate I've ever had. Who's the other one here? The captain tears his wet I hand away from Owl's shoulder, and moves directly up to him. So, you're cast in with this lot, he says, dotting in Owl's directions. You, my good fellow, would be well advised to choose your travelling companions with a bit more care. Only trouble awaits you at the end of the world with this one. Owl frowns and shakes his head. He's my protector, he says, casting a quick sideways glance. You'll have a better chance against the fearsome fiercest serpent of the sun. Oh, I'll tend to my manners a bit more mindfully if I were to find myself in your place, old friends. Owl's words, or perhaps the striking, almost sinister nature of his tone, seem to have an immediate sobering effect on Cap Captain Tarndoor. Tained on, the captain smirks, then nods at you. I will then ask the captain how long it will take to reach Swine Isle. Isle. Better part of the day, to be sure, he says, stretching, scratching his head and gazing out at, at another thick bank of fog now rolling across the decks of the galleon. I won't dare approach the galleon, the island island, the grip of this, though. There's more teeth about those shallows than I care to de- contend with. The fong hands in. We'll hold out in the split and make our approach by the light of dawn tomorrow. I will nods and as our heads off to take up his duties as the vessel's first mate, Captain Talborn leads the two of you to a small ship, at the small cabin at the ship's stern. There you find food and drink, and what simple comforts the San can provide, awaiting you. If you need something else, don't fret to ask, says the captain, as he turns the head off and intends the business of running his ship. I swear to you, you'll get nothing you ask for, but I don't want you fretting over it all the same. The sand howl is soon on its way, cutting east and then southeast across the turbulent waters of the sand split. Howl takes no interest in the food and drink provided by the captain. he tells you to eat your fill. When the voyage has been underway for several minutes, he joins you at the small table and tells you he has every reason to hope the fog will lift. We shouldn't spend any more time aboard than necessary, he says, his voice adopting a cautionary tone. Tandorn can be trusted, least as much as the next fellow, but I'll give no such benefit of a doubt to the rest of his crew. look to be a hungry bunch at best as this or that sort won't be driven to the promise of a pouch full of gold. In your conversation with our, you learn that Swine Isle is only approachable for a relatively narrow channel that runs towards its southern shore. Nearly the entire island is surrounded by what seamen call teeth of the sea, towering columns of stone that jut out of the treacherous waters of the Saan. Irregular frequency and angles, resembling the fangs of some giant beast of the deep, and proving deadly to ships that brave the the shallows. Tandor's the only man I trust to navigate that course, he says. He makes his living running these waters, can be trusted to keep his mouth shut. He's one of the few men of his possession not possessed by the drink. What? A non drunkard sailor? Well, I guess I'm incredibly lucky. The going proved slower than expected, and by midday the sarcals covered half the expected distance. Captain Tarthorn returns to the cabin periodically to update you and Owl on the ship's progress. Tells you both that it will likely be dusk before Swine Isle will be within in sight. Our Owl seems somewhat distressed by how long the journey is taking. He appears to come to fact with the, turns to the fact that the matter is beyond his control, Tempting to get some west on one of the bunks against the white wall wall of the cabin. Well, approaches and spreads out a small, tattered map of parchment that bears a crudely sketched map upon its weathered surface. There's a tall peak in the middle of the island. He says, stabbing his thin finger into the centre of the map. On top of that shrine is that is the shrine that gives the place its name or what's left of the shrine, to be quite precise. In those ruins, we're going to find just a couple of th- things very dear to our cause. Yes, our cause. Our paths are perhaps really quite the same, you know. Yeah, you ask our what he hopes to find there. Uh, information, he says, rolling up the map, tucking it inside his vest. There's supposedly a verse engraved on the walls of the temple. verse that provides a cl- finds the clues to something long hidden. Something we will seek in the city of Carson. There's something else there. I think. I Think that you a shrill cry from outside the cabin starts and stops our mid sentence. The cries repeated several times. Land for starboard. Land for starboard. With the owls, with owl following swiftly at your heels, you make your way out of the cabin to the ship's whale. There's was little more than a black speck on the horizon. It is now clearly visible through the wispy remnants of dissipating fog. It's the lonely silhouette of Shrine Isle. The sun has already begun to set, casting the last of its gold- crimson and golden rays across the churning surface of the sun. Well, there's that sorry loss, cries Captain Tarnam, striding up to stand next to you. As I promised, there she is, and there they are. Gaze upon that lot of teeth, Will not risk an approach to morning's light. You follow Tandor's sweeping figure, and spot no less than three dozen jagged points of rock poking up through the sea. In the rapidly fading light of day, the angled points do indeed resemble the teeth of some large beast. Despite the captain's unwillingness to risk the perilous approach to the R, as just as St. Dowles tells you that he has reservations about send it spending the night aboard the San Howe. We'll easier target aboard this ship, he says, as to making certain the two of you are quite alone in the small cabin. I don't think we've forgotten the ride on Churchwick. I have a feeling it's not the last we'll see of her, whoever she is. Yaskal, if he's considering taking a small boat to our tonight, and tells you the thought had crossed has crossed his mind. That that of course surely provides its own danger to it. I leave the decision up to you, Zoop. What do you think of it all? Well you agree with the owl remaining a more visible target while aboard the San How. The thought of piloting a small oar craft through the dark, treacherous waters around Swa Island and spending a lonely night on its dark shores doesn't seem particularly appealing, so I've got a, I've got a few I've got two options: I could spend the night aboard the Shan Howll, where there was almost certainly people who will try to kill me. And maybe that what that, that beast rider will come around and fireball the entire ship. Or I could decide to go ashore immediately and navigate rough and navigate rough waves through, dead, through deadly spikes in the dark. Yeah. so there are a few options that can help me. I can use divination. Or woodmanship? I'll use woodmanship to give me some clues. You believe it should be relatively simple to find suitable shelter on an island, making the prospect of having to spend spend the night on its shores somewhat less grim. Still, you're not certain if going ashore tonight is the best course of action. I will go ashore immediately. Decide to go ashore at once. Whisking the late light voyage to the Isle aboard a small craft. Owl is quick to say he thinks it's the wiser choice. Got an easy feeling about spending the night aboard this creaking beast, he says. Fear that whatever dangers await us ashore in the dark, but can be no worse than what I fear surrounds us here. You and Owl leave the small cabin and make your way to the forecastle, when you find Captain Talborn and Gavilar. Your quest to head for the island at once is met with surprise. The captain immediately orders that a small oar craft be prepared to carry you to the southern shore of Shrine Island. I'll get up to those rocks as best I can, he says, referring to the jagged stone teeth that surround the isle. The two of you are brave enough to attempt the jolt in the dark, not trying to talk you out of it. What a lot you are! Nishan Howell moves as close as it can to Ireland, to it west within only a few dozen yards of one of the larger points of rock, up, jutting up from the depths of the sea. I suppose you two are capable of, of rowing your way ashore, says the captain, slapping Galvlar on his back as he loads a small craft with several large shacks. Galvlar seems to some rations, that sort of thing. Wait here for three days at most, then I'll leave you for dead. And that's generous on my part, The there's no place to linger this late in the year. When all is set, you and Owl board the boat and are lowered back into the water. As you slip away from the ship, you glance back to see Captain Tardorn and Gavilar standing at the whales, waving to you. Hull gladly allows you to assume the duty of rowing the boat, and despite the choppy water and the plentiful exposed rock tips, in less than an hour you find yourself drifting into a sheltered cove on the southern edge of Swine Island, towards a stony beach. As you near the middle of the cove, you encounter some unexpected rough water. Powerful eddies swirl past sending the small craft into a series of dizzying spins. Only with great effort are you able to wipe right the boat and continue to award the beach. Owl has just begun to comment on the approach to the beach. When you spot something out of the corner of your eye, it's a sight that makes your blood run cold. Your gaze is swiftly drawn downwards to one of the sacks that gavel or tossed aboard the boat. For several moments, you're not certain if... Perhaps your eyes are playing tricks on you in the dim light. When Al suddenly cries out of alarm, your fearful observation is substantiated. One of the bags is moving. Before either you or Al can react to the new and alarming turn of events, a massive swarm of stone-backed spiders spills out of the mouth of the weaving bag. Well, there's a leap for stone spiders. The stoneback is a fairly common variety of venomous spider found in the woodlands of Northern Swift. Their name is derived from the grey, lumpy flesh resembling stone that makes up the top of their bodies. The average adult stoneback is a palm-sized creature. The aggressive arachnids, each nearly the size of your palm, begin scurrying up your legs, seeking any exposed flesh into which they can seek death. Deadly fangs. Owl cries out in alarm as he desperately swipes at the stonebacks, swiftly making their way up his torso. No less than 18 of the deadly spiners are rapidly climbing over you. You hurriedly attempt to wind yourself for the predatory creatures that cling to you as the small boat walks dangerously in the water from the sudden commotion aboard. Pick a number. Bonus of 68. 20 from agility, 10 from spirit, 19 from luck, and 19 from woodmanship. Need a 100 or more to get them off me. Pick now. 147. He managed to swipe off several of the spiders without being bitten. Owl cries out in alarm as he desperately swipes the stonebacks, swiftly making their way up his torso. A dozen of the deadly spiders are still climbing over you. You hurriedly attempt to rid yourself of the predatory creatures that cling to you as a small boat walks dangerously in the water and a sudden commotion abroad. It's the same check again. Failure. You manage to swipe off several spiders but are bitten in the process. The fearsome unwrapment promptly injects you with its powerful poison. 27 damage. As the spider's deadly venom surges through your veins, you struggle to stay upright in the small boat. Owl cries in alarm as he desperately stripes at the stone back, swiftly making their way up, up its torso. Six of the deadly spiders are still climbing over you. You wholly attempt to wedge yourself of the predatory creatures that cling to you as the small boat walks dangerously in water. From the sudden commotion aboard, so same check again, bonus sixty-eight. You need a hundred. Success. You manage to swipe off several of the spiders without being bitten. Our cries out in alarm as he desperately swipes at the stone stonebacks, swiftly making their way up his torso. Three of the deadly spiders are still climbing over you. You hurriedly attempt to weed yourself with the predatory creatures. That cling to you as the small boat walks dangerously in the water from the sudden commotion overboard. Abroad, that is, not overboard, we're not overboard yet. Alright, do the check again. Failure! You managed to swipe several of the spiders, swipe off several of the spiders, but are bitten in the process. The fearsome Miracleid promptly injects you with its powerful poison 22 damage. As the spider's deadly venom surges through your veins, you struggle to remain, to stay upright in the small boat. Last, after several harrowing moments, the remains of the spiders are flung from the boat. Owl quickly takes hold of the remaining sacks, and tosses them overboard as well. Stunned by the sinister and near-fatal attack, you and Owl stare wide eyes as you row the the small boat towards the stony beach with renewed vigour. She reach the shallows. Owl hops onto the craft into waist-deep water and proceeds to drag the boat ashore. I cannot for a moment believe that Galvin knew anything about what was in that sack," says Owl. We step onto the beach. Someone was certainly determined to see that we never reached the ark. She never allowed those bags to be tossed aboard without looking at them. Together, you and Owl drag the boat ashore and place it behind a large rock, taking care to ensure it is not visible from the water. Then you turn your attention to your newfound surroundings, find that even the, even in the darkness, your first glimpse of Shrine Island reveals a wild and rugged beauty of the legendary island, our points to the towering, rocky peak at the centre of the island. Perhaps less than a mile from where you now stand, tells you that the ruins of the ancient shrine from which the island acquired its name are supposed to sit upon its summit when we get to the top of that he says removing a small cloth wrapped object from a pocket sewn into the inside of his vest we'll be looking for an engraving that i mentioned and also the second part of this i'll hand you the object and when you remove the cloth that covers it you're surprised to be gazing down upon a small leather-bound book. You quickly open the book and discover its pages are covered in a script that appears to be a complex code of symbols. Your pulse begins to race when you immediately realise the context of the book. book are eerily familiar to the one that you possess, the leather-bound journal you discovered in Mixbrook. before you had ever set foot on Songard Island. Al promptly snatches the book back. Yes, says, says Al, as if he's managed to read your thoughts. The same script contained in the book you found. I pray you still retain it, of course. After all, it's the third and final piece of this rather remarkable set that finishes this scenario with 512 experience to general and 64 XP to all skills and powers. As I said, the rewards are getting bigger. Okay, we are only... Yeah, we have enough time for the next one. Alright, now... Part 2, Shrine Island. Danger stalks your every step on the shores of this legendary isle. The next scenario is called Welcome to Shrine Island. And it's probably not going to be the sort of welcome where I get cake. No, it's probably going to be the well put the sort of welcome where something tries to kill me, because that's just the sort of day I'm having right now. Welcome to shrine Begin. Well, you, there's a conclusion, but we've just read that a couple of seconds ago, so skip that. And now. I'll tell you that you need to hold on to your leather-bound journal for the time being, and that you explain to him the significance of the script these books contain once you reach the shrine, which sits, which sits perched atop the rocky peak that dominates the centre of the island. You tell him that you hold him to, to that promise. You silently vow not to let the journal out of your possession to you certain of its purpose and of your companion's intentions." As dawn's first light creeps over the horizon, you and now set out to begin, for the master thief is called the first part of our mission. Tells you that he hopes to reach the to reach shrine atop the walky peak at the centre of the isle before nightfall. As the two of you make your way along the stormy beach, away from your stowed craft, a distant, wailing cry from somewhere beyond the edge of the forest rises into the air. The eerie howl fades. Owl turns to you, with his eyes wide, and shakes his head. rather oh, wish I hadn't heard that, he says, stopping and staring at the line of trees bordering the beach to south. In fact, I can plainly sigh, I would be much more eager to plunge into that wood without hearing that. In a somewhat wry manner, you, you ask Owl if he thinks it could be the legendary beast of Shrine Isle. Well, we can certainly hope that's not the case, he says. I just hope that you're prepared to run if we should run into whatever that was soup. I can promise you we will have a lonely fight against it. Unnerved by the strange cry, the few and owl move away from the shore and head towards the line of trees that mark the edge of the forest to the north of the stony beach. As you approach the trees and turn to look back at the ocean, far out on the waging waters, Beyond the last of the stone teeth sits the sound hall, bobbing up and down in this sizeable offshore swells to sail its home. You turn back towards the forest, taking less than ten steps towards the wood, when a thunderous roar rises into the air. Its concussive din rattling your teeth and filling you with dread as you instinctively spin to face the sea. Out of the water, at the spot where the galleon known as the Sarn Hal sat only moments ago, rises a thick, black cloud of billowing smoke. Nothing remains of Captain Tandord's tested vessel, save for the smouldering and burning wreckage now strewn across the dark, frigid waves of the Sarn. Hull rushes back to the shore and stands dumbfounded at the water's edge. Staring out across the perilous expanse of ocean to where the shattered remains of, of the grand ship bob up and down on the banks of the towering swells, He wires swiftly at your companion's side and he speaks in a sullen tone without taking his eyes off the water. There can't be any left alive. Can there be? It just can't be. Your eyes desperately scan the sky, seeking any sign that perhaps some of the ship's crew survived the massive fire eruption. As your gaze drifts across the dark, churning surface of the sea, your mind races to fathom what could have wrought such swift and total destruction on a vessel the size of the San Hau. Suddenly, your eyes dart skyward, and there, far above, Barely visible against the gray, dense grey ceiling of clouds are two small black specks, moving swiftly to the west. The thoughts immediately turned to the Chilterwick and its flame-wielding rider. As you escaped, you encountered as you escaped from Sarngard. Well, that solves the mystery, perhaps," says Al, his voice tinged with sadness. he looks away from the rapidly receding specks in the sky, and stares out across the sea towards the wreckage of the ship. There is something else, though. There has to be something else! If Tarn and his crew have paid with their lives for our passage, I will see to it their deaths are avenged, says Al grimly, narrowing his eyes as he focuses his grim gaze on the smoking wreckage of the distant ship. I was wrong to seek passage on such a large ship. I've certainly played the part of the fool thrust star soup. And a dear friend and a good many good many innocent Lemen breathed their last because of it. Intense fire burns behind Owl's chilling stare. In that moment you, you feel subtly fearful for any man unlucky enough to make an enemy of the master thief. You've little doubt that his angry call of vengeance against those who brought ruin upon the Al is no empty threat. There's nothing we can do. Let's go. As, as Al turns and starts up the stony beach, you suddenly notice that he's no longer limping. In fact, there is no, no sign of the wound that was laid upon his leg. The archer's arrow as you fled from Sargod. What does he know? Healing magic, maybe? Or just super fast regeneration, or something else. Disheartened by this sudden and tragic turn of events, and utterly saddened by what you can only believe was the swift and utter destruction of Captain Tandor and his crew. You and Owl slowly make your way back towards the forest at the edge of the stony beach. Despite that, you're no longer certain how it is you could ever hope to get off this remote island. The two of you remain intent on reaching the shrine atop the towering peak, completing what Owls called only the first part of the mission you draw up to the tree line, I'll suggest that you both spread out in different directions and see if there's any sort of tra- pa- trail or path leading into the woods. Pick a number. Bonus of 39. 19 from woodmanship, 10 from war, 10 from luck. You need 50 or more to find it first. Failure. You've only just begun your exploration of the forest edge when Owl calls out to you. Moments later, it's your, your companion side, staring down at the grim discovery he's made. Lie at your feet, only a few feet inside the edge of the tree line, are the charred remains of four humans. Three swords and an axe lie amidst the still smouldering cinders, leaving you to believe that whatever horrid fate befell these four, it only have occurred within the last. Few hours. Quite a way to meet your end, says Owl, stomping to ex- stooping to examine the heaps of bone and ash. Strangely we heard nothing. I must say, Zoop, I'm beginning to dislike fire. Or at the very least, the role it seems to have played of late. It's almost as like if there's a chorus of hisses rubps from behind you, sending a jolt down the length of your spine and causing your heart to skip a beat. Owl takes a step back, and you instinctively spin in the direction of the unnerving sound, only to find yourself confronted by a loathsome and most unwelcome sight. Less than fifteen yards from you, the heavy plate armour and banded helms glittering in the light of the early morning sun, a foretasle, large greenish gems set into the centre of the thick gem plates, breastplates, pulse with with a faint, irregular glow. From beneath the shadowy overhang of their helms stab the fierce, cool stares of yellow reptilian eyes. The foul snake men hiss viciously as they communicate to one another in a tongue that is utterly foreign to you. Your handiwork? asked Bao boldly, waving his white hand in direction of the charred remains. "'We left the other while just to be rid of your sort.' "'It would see ill-locked dodgers. "'Dogs us, it would seem. "'One of the Tazal, its silvery hair, striped with black, "'slivers forward and points accusingly at our. "'its clawed hand hidden beneath the splated skin "'of all spiked gauntlets. "'Silence, human,' he grims. "'The words spoken here will be mine, human.' cruel, cool, yellow eyes of the Helm-Tazzle leader, narrow and the and hisses angrily as he apparently discerns what, that you and now are not the humans he and his Ken have been awaiting. More of the same, he growls, halting his advance as he draws to within ten yards of you. Those in service, in those service, if you've been brought here, it hardly matters. Remove this rubbish from my sight. The leader falls back as his three heavily armoured king sliver forward, eager to do his wicked bidding. For a fleeting moment, you wonder who it, what is those vicious creatures were waiting for. And if they had a hand in incinerating the bodies, lying lying off just to your right, what happens next leaves you no doubt of the latter. The so three arbiters all advance, slipping rapidly across the uneven ground, you take note of small, shining silver squares set into the plated palms of the spiked gauntlet. You wonder what the purpose behind these curious inlays is, when suddenly the foremost of the advancing tarsel thrusts his right hand out towards you, and a long bolt of crimson flame erupts from the silver square on the palm of his gauntlet. The deadly blast of fire hurtles straight for you. it has got a few options now. I could dodge it, I could use elementalism or fortification. If telekinesis was a bit higher, I could use that, but it isn't, so I can't. I shall use the power of elementalism. It succeeded. 24 experience to elementalism. You swiftly channel your power of elementalism and focus it on the hurtling bolt of flame. Almost instantly, the fiery missile begins to shrink. And a matter of seconds is nothing more than a glowing cinder, the harmless rendement of this of the once deadly blast lands on the ground to your right. Owl turns to shout something, to but this cry is cut short as the master thief suddenly finds himself under attack by one of the armored snake men. He falls back several yards inside the edge of the forest, taking a bold, and seemingly unarmed stand against his vicious foe. You have little time to dwell on your companions' predicament, however, for you immediately find yourself facing the other two Tarzel. The first of the, vi- the fearsome pair slivers forward, its plated arms erupting into flames as it surges into melee range. The Tarzul deftly def- strikes out at you with its fire-weaved limbs. You manage to dodge the enemy's first two blows before swiftly countering with your own attack. I'm fighting an Armoured Sarcel. The Armoured Sarcel strikes at you with its plated, vein-weaved arms. And it's... Ooh, I'm engulfed by the flames of the enemy for a bit of damage. Yeah, just, just bashy, bashy, bash, 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 bash. Engulfed by the flames, your enemy's attack for 19 damage. And again for another 19 days, but it is now slain. It's a very tough thing. This is all that armour they're wearing. Forty-two experience. The heavily armoured tazzle collapses in front of you. Before you can even attempt to catch your breath, you find yourself face-to-face with the second of the vicious, fire-wielding reptilians. It's the other armoured tazzle who swipes at you with this plated, fire-weaved arm. Okay, just go keep bashing, bash, 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 bash. Stupid snake! I'm going to bash you. Eighteen x, eighteen damage from being engulfed by flames. Engulfed by flames again for twenty-four damage, and slain as I just went into battle rage. Stop setting me on fire! Arr! Another forty-two XP. The second of the armoured reptilians collapses to the ground at your feet and splashes about violently for several moments before finally expiring. You quickly glance over at our only to find your companion standing over the corpse of a third Tazal, nursing a rather nasty wound in his right arm. Much to surprise, you see no sign that the master thief has employed any sort of, of weapon in the fight wave of intense heat, coupled with a deafening war, catches you and Owl off guard. But the two of you manage to stumble back beyond the groping figures of the blazing inferno that swiftly engulfs the corpses of your foes. In no a matter of moments, only small piles of ash and the charred, empty shells of plate armour remain to remain to mark the spots when the three all fell. In unison, the two of you turn to face the leader, of the fallen Tazal. Just heal first. I think he's going to be tough. The lone remaining Tazal leaves at the fruit of the three who met their doom at your hands. Of you and your seemingly unarmed companion slivers forward and hisses angrily. His bright yellow eyes narrow to slits as he casts his chilling gaze upon you and Owl in rapid succession. Without warning, his left hand splays as he thrusts it out towards Owl. The master thief grunts as a powerful, invisible blast strikes him squarely in the chest, hurtling him backwards into the base of a stunted oak. Grout groaning loudly and gasping for breath, Owl whirls himself onto his stomach and then slowly drags himself behind a sizeable flat topped rock effectively disappearing from view, Hissing loudly, the Tazor leader spins to face you as the broad gem steps into the centre of his shining armour momentarily emits a brilliant green shimmer. The vicious armoured reptilian drops his plated hands to his side and draws a three-tailed flame. He watches in horror as the weapon bursts into flames in his grasp, each of its deadly spiked heads engulfed in a fierce azure blaze. As your fearsome opponent slivers forward, you boldly plant your feet and assume a defiant, combat-ready stance. Your mind races. You hope that Owl has survived the devastating attack that has apparently incapacitated him. Hasn't you you pray that the impending, brutal melee will give you a chance to avenge your fallen companion. And that finishes this scenario with 384 experience to general and 64 experience to all skills and powers. Okay, on to the next one. Okay, the fire wielders. It's the next scenario. And this page is what we've just happened. And now... As the silver armour tussle or leader slivers towards you, you cry out for Al, more than an effort to determine if he's in fact alive, to dis- then solicit his immediate help. Your call is answered only by the vicious hiss of your encroaching foe. Suddenly, the reptilian's eyes narrow, and without warning, a stabbing, burning pain shoots through your mind as a powerful psionic tack tears at the edges of your psyche. Pick a number, bonus of 60. 20 from mind, 20 from aura, 20 from spirit. You need to get 100 or more to resist this attack. 89. You cry out in agony and drop to your knees as a powerful psychic assault shreds your mental defences and ravages your mind. 31 stamina points lost. Winded, shaken and drained in the wake of the devastating attack. It painfully staggers your feet and slowly and defiantly step towards your merciless foe. The Saur Leader suddenly thrust out his right hand, revealing a shiny silver square stepped into the plate palm, the spike gauntlet that conceals his scaled hand. A blast of fire erupts from the deadly from the silver square set into the Tazor leader's plated palm. The deadly flaming missile streaks, forward, so- streaks towards you, hurtling directly for your chest. Lots of options here. Every weaponry and weaponry subskill above 70 can be used. So somehow I could block this attack with a Trollmont. Because there's really no point in me doing that because I don't need troll water experience, but it's you just do it just for the heck of it. Just just to say what? you blocked you blocked a flaming attack with a troll bond. You could also use element I could also use elementalism or fortification. Once again, your telekinesis was at seventy, I could use that, or of course I could just dodge. I will use weaponry bashing. Four XP to weaponry bashing. In a masterful display of your weaponry skill. You put your chosen instant of battle to use and manage to deflect the deadly flaming missile. So I just BUNK it out of the way with my, my mace. The Sassel Leader hisses loudly so as he again thrusts out his white right hand. With even the shining silver square sent into the center of his palm. A second blast of fire rots from the square and hurtles towards you. Now, same options again, this time I will use fortification. It succeeded. 16 XP to fortification. A curtain of shimmering blue spark swiftly materializes in front of you taking form only a split second before the arrival of the deadly firebolt, The flaming missile explodes upon impact with your magical barrier, disintegrating into thousands of glowing cinders that land harmlessly on the ground around you. The turtle leader again thrusts out his right hand, releasing a third blast of flame from the silver square set into the palm of his spiked gauntlet. The deadly bolt of fire shrieks out to you. This time I will use elementalism. It succeeded. 24 experience to elementalism. You call upon your power of elementalism and focus it on the hurtling bolt of fire. With only a split second to spare, you manage to shrink the deadly flaming missile to only a small glowing ember, which lands harmlessly on the ground a few feet to your left. 64 experienced the general the tazzle leader lowers his right hand and hisses sharply as he once again begins slithering towards you suddenly he stops yes all of you he hisses immediately realizes not speaking to you but rather communicating perhaps telepathically with what is undoubtedly more of his dreadful reptilian kin only moments later your assumption is proven true. A deafening wall, and in a wave of intense skeet, causes you to lose your footing, and stagger backwards, as four wide columns of flame, shoot up from the ground, and bellow into to the sky. The four blazes quickly subside, leaving in their wake, a like number of silver armoured tussle. The vicious reptilians, immediately start towards you. Their attention is, Your attention is immediately drawn, from the, Swiftly approaching foes as another broad column of fire rises to the air a tremendous war, completely engulfing the Tazor leader. When the column vanishes, there is no longer any sign of the commander of the cruel snake men. The foremost of the four Tazor raises his plated hand. Without warning, and certainly taking you completely by surprise, one of the Tazor near the weird... Rear of the group suddenly collapses to the ground. The heavy armored creature weaves about in apparent agony for several seconds before becoming still. As vicious cohorts, cooing the creature those handless ways towards you, halt their advance and spin to see what has befallen their reptilian kin. The three remaining tussle begin hissing wildly as their eyes scan the trees at the edge of the forest. Wasting no time, you leap into action. They take Intent on taking full advantage of the momentary confusion. So I could attack the bewildered armor all or attempt to flee to safety. Now I think these snakes are faster than me. So I think fleeing won't really work and also it would leave Owl ungu- owl unguarded and they'll certainly kill him if they had the chance. So no, I have to fight them. Along with whatever mysterious ally has now appeared, your mind races as you ponder the best course for attacking the brooded tarsal. So I could just go. Actually, no, no I'm running away. So I could charge at them. I could use elementalism or archery. Uh, if it was a higher level, I could use illusion or telekinesis. But it isn't, so I can't. I could. Uh, they have to be 70. I will use elementalism. Failed. Before you can attempt anything else, the three remaining Tarzle are upon you. The plated arms of the foremost of the three remaining Tarzle burst into flames as the vicious reptilian swiftly closes in. You brutally hold your ground. Your prayer perfor- promises to be a brutal fight to the finish. Off the armored Tarzle. I'm going to finish. Ooh! The armature all swipes at you with its plated flame-weaved arms, and you're engulfed by the flames of your enemy's attack for 20 damage. Stop setting me on fire for another 23 damage. Not very nice. 14 damage. Alright, more damage from the flames. 25 damage from the flames. Okay. I shall use a quick stone 20 to... Finish it off. It is now slain. 41 XP. With the bloodied remains of the armor tarsel lying at your feet, you draw yourself into a defensive stance as the next of the sinister creatures slivers into melee range, its ar- metal-clad arms weaved in flame. There we are, another one. Swipes at you with its plated fame-wielded arms. Alright, 22 damage from being engulfed by flame. Alright, oh, I'm giving it a big old bash. Bash, 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 bash. I'm gonna keep bashing. Ooh, Golf by Flame for 24 damage. I'll just do a bit of healing now. Alright, 16 then 26. That gives me a cushion to work with. Flames attack for 21. 23. It is slain. 42 XP. You look up from the remains of your slain foe, only to discover the third and last of the czar is already lying face down on the ground. You shield your eyes and step back to avoid the intense heat as a raging inferno quickly springs to life and incinerates the remains of the fallen snake there. For just a few moments, only the charred husks of their armour and several small mounds of ash remain to mark their passing. A sound from behind, from behind reaches your ears and you spin around, half expecting to find Owl making a timely appearance. But less than ten yards from you, closing in swiftly, is yet another of the silver armoured tassel. I'm going to hear all I can. The hissing creature raises both his hands, revealing small silver squares stepped into the spiked arms, spike, plated palms of his spiked gauntlets, before you can even contemplate the next course of action. Two bolts of flame tear out of the tazzle's raised hands and shriek straight towards you. Okay, I will use the power of elementalism again. Succeeded. 24 experience to elementalism. You call upon your power of elementalism and focus it on the hurtful bolt of fire. With only a split second to spare, you manage to shrink the deadly flame up. It's only a small glowing ember, which lands harmlessly on the ground, a few feet to your right. The Lone Cesar is quickly upon you, his plated arms ablaze, as he strikes out at you with his burning limbs. Begin the combat. Bash, 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 bash. Keep setting me on fire. But I'm just going to keep bashing, bash, 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 bash. Swipes it with his plated flame wheeled arms. Flames for tax. Flames for eighteen then twenty two. Then another twenty two. Uh, a bit of a he- uh, quick heal. Yeah, keep bashing, 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 bash, bash, bash. Quick heal. Bash, bash. 100 and 138 experience, and then one hundred and twenty eight experience to general. Emolient elation, you experience. Your experience having defeated such a powerful and deadly foe. It's quickly tempered by the appearance of two more of the Armored Snake Men, the edge of the wood. Now, look, you might be doing better if you all, you know, appeared at once, rather than just appearing in dribs and drabs. Just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. But I am going to tell you how you're currently doing your job. Is bad for you, but very good for me. As your mind races, decide whether you will stand and face this new menace. Or attempt to flee. A massive, all earth-shaking explosion engulfs the 2 Immediately obliterating the tw- cruel duo. Smoke clears, and you find yourself... Shielding your eyes and swinging, seeding wise and falling back to avoid the, the intense heat as a second raging inferno springs to life and incinerates the remains of the, the fallen snake man. It's only a few moments, only the charred husks of the armour, several small mounds of ash remains. Surprised by this strange turn, events, or what seems to be a bit of good fortune, about to go over and examine the piles of ash, when the sound of footfalls to your left causes you to snap your head in that direction. You find yourself looking directly into a familiar face. I'd hope to meet you under better circumstances, says a young woman standing before you, her hands tightly gripping a tall wooden staff. You immediately recognize her, even though she looks somewhat difficult, then you remember her at your last meeting, Mr. the of Krewis Tyne. She promptly initiates a shoulder cross And tells you she is glad to have found you Glad to have been able to, to lend you a hand Realising now that it was her own fire-based magic That caused the massive explosion only moments ago Command her and reproved abilities Nice of you to notice, she says Comes fairly handy these days It's only someone like yourself could ever possibly imagine. Now, where's Owl? Where's the Owl? Uriel's Oriol's inquiry about Owl serves to remind you, haven't seen your companion since you struck a mighty blow by the Tazor leader's formidable telekinetic attack. You quickly move over to the last spot in which you had seen him, but there is no sign of the master thief to be had. He'll turn up, scouts Urio, as her eyes scan the edge of the forest. Strange indeed are some of those with which our Taskmaster keeps company. You ask Urio what has brought her to this island, if she's been here all along. She sighs. She shakes her head and sighs. I'm afraid our Taskmaster is the very reason I've come here, Zoop. I stand before you as the bearing of bad tidings from sangard idol all right that finishes this scenario with 512 experience to general and 64 experience to all skills and powers again so the next the next scenario is bad tidings where we learn what bad news we are just a, we have we are about to receive Yes, it's probably something to do with the schemes of those people. We met the part we met at the start of start of group start of the first episode of this on six. But that will be for another episode. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers.